chance to look at it through other people's eyes. Take some time and reflect on what you believe in your soul. Cause that is the key to life. You gotta let the negativity go. Hello and welcome to What the Fox podcast with your host, Lindsay Fox and Amber Ross. However, Amber Ross is not joining us today, but I do have an incredible guest speaker that I am thrilled to introduce named Paula Baisden. And she is here today to share a very unique story. And we are so thrilled to have our listeners hear uh, what she has to offer the world, frankly. <laughs> Not like that's you, no pressure, Paula. No pressure. Right. Thank you. Thanks for that. <laughs> so, uh, Paula is a doctorate prepared registered nurse specializing in mental health care and nursing education. And um, you know, this month we have been talking a lot about the um, the theme, at least, of improvising, adapt, and overcome. And so we are really going to hone in on what that means to Paula and how that ties into her over arc. Well, I was going to say actually your entire life theme, <laughs> yeah. frankly, um, yeah. as well as like some future goals. But first, can you tell us what else are you, Paula, beyond a nurse? Like who else? It are you other than right. just a nurse, quote unquote, just exactly, right? exactly, just. Um, so I've been a nurse for over a decade. And before that, I was in the United States Marine Corps. Um, so I'm a veteran. Uh, I'm a mom and I'm a wife and I'm an artist and I'm a filmmaker. So while I was kind in the Marine badass, Corps, basically. yeah, yeah kind absolutely. Badass, <laughs> right. I mean, That's, and just yeah. in case our viewers don't or our <laughs> listeners don't know, I mean, the Marine Corps, I shouldn't say creed, but unofficially, right? Yeah. Is, is all about that improvise, adapt, and overcome. Yes. So it's very timely to have you join us yes. for this month. <laughs> I definitely learned that in the Marine Corps and carried it with me through nursing. And it's, I'm sure everybody has noticed lately how in nursing that is, has to be our, you know, motto. Mm -hmm. um, we just, we yeah. usually, we just say, we just get it done. It's kind of how we say the same thing, you know, in nursing, especially most of my background in nursing is in mental health, but it spans different types of facilities, you know, mental health in corrections or prisons, mental health in the ER and mental health in private facilities. So um, a lot of acute care, mostly. So definitely improvising, adapting and overcoming every 30 seconds. Wow. So. <laughs> uh, honestly, my hats go off to you. Seriously. Uh, thank you for your service. Number one to the of United course. States in the Marine Corps. Um, but also as you continue in this world of nursing, um, yeah. especially getting just surviving through this pandemic, um, yeah. man, the nurses, uh, doctors and beyond to just y'all have been through hell and back and yeah. are still navigating it but it's gotten a lot better since the beginning days of yeah COVID. definitely definitely yeah. a lot better uh so you know there's a lot there's a lot to you and <laughs> uh we're gonna try to we're gonna try to cram everything into like 45 minutes or so okay. so it's just luck right um but you know there's an important part of your story where there's this underlying uh um hobby or interest around writing yes uh that you've had for a really long time and it's kind of carried <laughs> you through like frankly childhood through adulthood to where you are today absolutely um, right and so there's a big part of of how you identify as well beyond all of these other things yes. but you're also a screenwriter yes <laughs> and that and is you... that is my dreams for as long as i can remember um I can remember clearly in fifth grade when they asked us to stand up and tell the class what we wanted to be when we grew up. I had to be a little dramatic and said, I don't want to. I'm going to be a writer for movies. I didn't know it was called screenwriter in fifth grade. Yes. Um, yes. You know, you tell them, Paula. <laughs> so I eventually did get there, you know, multiple things happening just because of timing along the way. But I've always been writing my whole life. Um, I have boxes of things that I wrote, you know, because I started when it had to be in a notebook or on a typewriter. That's right. That's <laughs> you right. Know? And I have um, floppy disks with stuff that I've written <laughs> on them. And of course, USBs. Um, I was going to say to our younger, to our younger audience here, do y'all, do y'all know what floppy disk? Right. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. I mean, and honestly, writing is such a, it's, it really can be so cathartic and I, yeah. 
It's, and I think that's a big part yes. of your story as well. So, Absolutely. you know, something that Amber, um, my co-host always asks, she's like, Lindsay, how do you meet these, these random ass <laughs> people that you bring into the show? <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, so full disclosure, you're the first guest speaker that I've never met in person. In person. <laughs> yes. So, um, to kind of answer that that question that Amber does typically ask, I, I yeah. do want to share how we met, uh, yeah. which is actually through our mutual friend and someone that you're actively working with. So I yes. have a dear friend who is the um, owner and founder of Von Emrich Productions, mm -hmm. uh, which is a, a really a rising production company yes. in North Carolina. <laughs> um, it's it's you know, listen, if y'all are not familiar with this production <laughs> company, you're going to be very familiar with it soon. Um, mm -hmm. uh, Chris Emmerich is the owner and he has just got this, this production company just kind of taken off. So anyway, yeah. he, he contacted me out of the blue. Um, <laughs> and we've been in touch over the years. I've known him forever. And, uh, he said, Lindsay, I am working with this woman named Paula and, we're working on a, a TV show with her and you would absolutely love her. Y'all <laughs> have like, you know, the same kind of core values and mission and like what you're out to accomplish between the podcast and her show. Y'all yep. have got to connect. Um, so really just so our audience understands that that is yep. what brought us together today. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so before we kind of dive into the nitty gritty of like the behind the scenes aspect of just life and how mm -hmm. this show came about, can you um, just tell us a little, a little bit, at least like the name of the show yeah. and kind of like uh, what the, uh, the theme is of the show? We'll start there. Yes. So, okay. <laughs> the show is called Out of Touch. And the theme is that everybody's kind of damaged in a great way, you know, beautifully broken, so to speak. Um, the whole point of it is to tell true stories of the experiences of mental health patients and the people who take care of them because you, you can't make these stories up anyway. No. So it's, it's the true stories that need to be told. And some of some people will say that it's been done, right? Mental health is gaining attention in the media and in fiction shows that people actually watch, but with very few exclusions most of those are depicting it in a stigmatizing stereotyping negative mm -hmm. way or just incorrectly because they're not hiring consultants and doing it <laughs> you know with people who know right. the actual right. truth um and media has this history of basing themselves on themselves like media based on media so once somebody portrays a patient a certain way they're going to keep doing exactly. that whether it's accurate or not so one of the main themes and the number one rule for everyone working on this production is no stereotyping or stigmatizing, not even as a joke, not even kind of sort of. And it's it's been a learning curve for some people, not that any of them would do it on purpose, but accidental stereotyping, you know. Well, that's so, just it, right? Is yeah, that that's it? the theme is to entertain, right. educate, and advocate. Yes. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. I love that. I love that you're doing this series. Um, and, and we will kind of get into some of this throughout uh, today's right. episode, but more than anything, we do want um, our listeners to, to stay tuned till the very end as well. Uh, we do want y'all to know that y'all, y'all could really make a difference in this show. Yes. We want to, we want to make sure that you guys really understand how, um, because ultimately the goal is to have this entire TV show um, independently funded so that, yes. so that Paula and her team can remain Yep. true to the, the the actual theme of this right ensuring yes. that the media doesn't kind of like you know mm -hmm. sweep away with their own agenda and, and stigmatize right. things right you want to keep exactly true to the true to the core right yes. and telling these true stories for what they are mm -hmm. um and so that does mean that we need uh the public's help with funding this venture mm -hmm. and it's a very important venture no less mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and people could, if you stay till the end, could learn how you could be in the show. So, <laughs> Ooh, I love that. I mean, I mean, I, I've got some people I can put you in touch with. Yeah. I've got some people that would love to jump in on that. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so before we dive into all of that, let's start with, you know, where, where, uh, this all began right so when we, yeah. when we kind of think about stigmatizing and stuff and stereotypes and all of that. A lot of that starts uh, in childhood. A lot of that starts with, through our adolescent I'm and teen sure years. <laughs> Sorry, apparently, <laughs> apparently Siri had something to say about that. 
She said, I'm not sure I understand. Well, let's clarify for her. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Siri. We don't understand why stereotypes and stigmas exist either. Um, so um, with that, you grew up in a really interesting environment because you have a number of siblings. Can you tell yes. us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I have I have five brothers and a younger sister, you know. Um, <laughs> so I have, I have four biological brothers and a kind of unofficially adopted, you know, became part of the family brother, but Three of them are much, yeah, five, five guys, you know, um, and my sister is, had always been the biggest tomboy ever. So it's just like, you know, a lot of toughness. Wow. I'm the only like (laughs) non-athlete. Yeah. A lot of toughness around, but they're great. I mean, I love my siblings. They're the coolest people I know, but, um, growing up being kind of a girly girl in that house was a little difficult being a cheerleader which yeah we can talk about oh the my funny, god the funny the funny thing of going from cheerleading to the marine corps yeah we can talk about that too but yeah wow. being that kind of person it was it was different there was a lot of a lot of the chip on the shoulder feeling like proving yourself and then then I couldn't escape that for a long time so mm-hmm. yeah, it was very interesting <laughs> I bet especially you know, five older brothers I'd be scared to date probably be ruining it for you. <laughs> I was um, such a nerd I wasn't really interested in dating when I was young <laughs> a nerd and a cheerleader with five brothers okay yeah, guys. at my at my school you had to be like basically on a roll to be on the cheerleading team so <laughs> it was different very different man yeah. um and and somehow you started talking to like a marine recruiter at toward yeah. the end of high school and this was also yeah. around 9-11 Right. Yes. Yeah, so before 9-11 happened, my twin brother actually wanted to go talk to the recruiters in all the branches. And I was going to go with to make sure he didn't do anything dumb or make any rash decisions. Smart. He didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I did. No, <laughs> but, you know, we went we went to different recruiters offices. We went into all the branches and we went to the Marine Corps last. And and all of the branches are great. Don't get me wrong. We, we yeah. give each other a hard time. But each branch we went into at the time, this is before 9-11, you know, most of them were trying to sell us their branch. They're giving us yeah. phys- physical gifts like lanyards and stickers and, sure. and telling us about sign-on bonuses. And we walked into the Marine Corps office and I think it's the way we were raised that made this hit us differently. And he said, why should I let you join my Marine Corps? And that was like, Ooh, I get to prove myself. <laughs> That's <laughs> so, right. You know, and that, that kind of struck a chord with me and I, I put all my other nerdy plans on hold and started talking to them, you know, and started meeting people that really motivated me and made me want to join. Um, and then 9-11 happened and I was like, I need to go now. And I graduated mm. a semester earlier than planned, which was already going to be early to go right then. Wow. You know, I went, I wasn't able to go until February, but I tried to go <laughs> earlier than that, but I had to finish the semester in December. And then, yeah. Oh my gosh. So and I actually end. came back in my uniform before my twin brother even graduated high school you know <laughs> so. oh my gosh right talk about proving yourself huh? right. Way to beat out your twin yeah holy cow and that was I mean just for for again any kind of a, a younger audience that really wasn't around right. to to remember the ins and outs of 9-11 and what it was like in 2001 and even just the beginning of that war as a yeah. whole the fact that you were you were out there in the literally the front lines right at least like marine corps right y'all are like front line Mm -hmm. individuals but especially during you know i think about 2002 3 and 04 05 those were really 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 rough years yes Um, (laughs) and the fact that you were right in the thick of it no less i think that's a testament to um just who you are as a person and Mm -hmm. and and probably all that toughness, right? Yeah. <laughs> that helped helped you get through it. Yeah. But as a woman as well, I mean, let's yeah. talk about that piece. You were you were not you were not just a marine, and you weren't just a marine. Right. You were a female, uh, right? In the Marine Corps, what yes. was that like for you? So, being a, a female marine or a woman marine at, at that time, they, everyone said WM. Now they kind of say FM, but whatever. Oh. Um, but it was it would never you would never just be called marine um, in any conversation, casual or not. Yeah. It was always kind of included that you're a female. Um, I had excellent scores on everything. I'm an overachiever. You know, I, on paper, if you, if it didn't say female, no one would have guessed that, you know, um, they would have just Mm -hmm. been like, this is a great Marine, you know, and I promoted quickly and I got through review boards quickly and everything was 
Great. I'm, um, I'm still stuck. Sorry. I'm still stuck yeah. on the piece that like, <laughs> even in casual conversation, it would yeah. be. Oh yeah. You, um, yeah. So they, they, I mean, people, my friends, of course, would just say my last name. That's how we right. address yeah. each other. But, but for example, when a sergeant would be introducing me to someone else, if I'm taking over um, any kind of billet or responsibility, they would yeah. say, um, at that time, my last name was Olson. They'd say, this is Lance Corporal Olson. She's one of the best female Marines I've ever seen. And I'm like, mother, I'm one of the best Marines you've ever seen. Right, <laughs> like, right. Not just that Get tiny pocket, the mm-hmm. tiny pocket of female Marines, you know? So it's, uh, it's, wow. it was stressful, but it was also something that I had kind of internalized as my normal environment, mm-hmm. you know, having brothers, it, it sure. was never just another person doing what my brothers had done. It was a, oh my gosh, the sister mm-hmm. is doing it. The girl mm-hmm. is doing it, you know? Yeah. And it was just kind of carried over right into the Marine Corps. And I, it was so ingrained in me as, as how things are that it, it built up to become a really big hole in my gut before I ever really thought about it not being okay like consciously wow. right because that's yeah. that's kind of what what happens with lifelong yeah. conditioning right it's right like, exactly with that, with that lifelong conditioning we don't we're not really trained to think about it because right. it's just so normal to who we are and how we've been told to be and yep. what what our place is in the world um <laughs> but just even uh, to just to even think about being say like t- to someone uh, introducing you as like the best right. female marine, right? right? Yeah, it's like, well, what are you trying to say, you d- you asshole? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. Uh, then, like, clearly, you know, it's like a backhanded compliment. You know, they meant right. well, but it's like seriously. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's that's tough. And and at some point, you decided that you weren't going to continue your service. Um, yeah. Would you like to talk about that decision sure, and yeah. or kind of the transition that took place from there? Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, while I was in the Marine Corps, I started a family um, during that, during everything else that was going on. Um, wow. And there came a time where we were pregnant. <laughs> surprise. Uh, yeah. Good surprise. Mar- we were married. <laughs> it was a good surprise. Everything's fine. Um, and we were both Marines. So oh, it was, wow. it was the kind of thought process was you don't make a lot of money in the marine corps and right. and daycare is not any cheaper for people in the military though it should be um so when i found out i was pregnant i told my husband um at the time i'm not getting out of the marine corps and i'm not getting rid of my mustang convertible right <laughs> but since i'm only since, laughing cuz <laughs> like i'm thinking about where you are now but okay right exactly exactly so since our our children um were a surprise since it was not planned. I went to the doctor to find out how far along I was. So they had to do an ultrasound. And that's when I found out it was twins. Of course, and, of course and, the twins having right, twins. Right, and in <laughs> shock, in shock, I said to my adopted brother who had come with me to the ultrasound, because oh he God. was the one that could at that time. I said, I have to get out of the Marine Corps and get rid of my Mustang. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, you cannot Paula. put two car seats in the back seat of a Mustang convertible. <laughs> oh, so blame the twins. Blame the twins. Yes. If it was just one, maybe not. But right, it was yeah. two, you got screwed. <laughs> yeah, but it all worked out. Obviously, yeah. everything has happened Absolutely. for a reason. But Beautiful yeah, that gifts, is one, right? Yes, Absolutely. yes. That's what I tell them. The best, best surprise of my life, and they were born on Mother's Day. So perfect. Oh wow! Yeah. What a special <laughs> gift. I yeah. mean, truly, after mm-hmm. after being just a female Marine and all, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So from there, you went on to carry on with life and and being the person driven. Uh, excuse me, purpose-driven person that you are, uh, you were clearly going to school and educating and and all the things uh, amidst all these other things that you were doing. So can you share what were you studying at that time and what was the end goal? Was there an end goal? Yeah. So I, before the Marine Corps, before 9-11, all of that, I wanted to be a psychiatrist, a physician, but I wanted to be an emergency psychiatrist, you know, like a like something I had seen on TV. Oh um, my God. Sorry. So people can't yeah. see my eyes. My eyes just got big. Cause I'm yeah. thinking like, are you, are you crazy? Yeah. That's what <laughs> I wanted to do. Um, so like I put on hold, obviously, uh, it's a stressful so when, job when I right got there. out, 
yeah when I got out I, I told my husband at the time you know we we're uh I'm gonna go to school obviously I'm gonna stay home and take care of these babies but I'm gonna be going to school while I'm doing it and so as they get bigger I can work and have yeah. a purpose besides parenting you know at some point and so um that's what I did I, I had started studying psychology while I was in the Marine Corps because it's the most interesting thing to me why humans do what we do mm-hmm. and so when I got out um I was so naive about how real school worked, (laughs) you know, because I had done the military. When you want to go to school, they, they hand it to you, you know, they make it very easy or they did when I was in. Um, so I literally, it's funny because, uh, working, I work in academia now. So this cracks me up that I thought to do this. I called the Dean of the school of nursing, (laughs) literally called directly to the Dean's office for the school of nursing at the school I went to. And asked her if I could be in their accelerated program because I already had, you know, studied psychology. And uh, she laughed at me. She was super sweet. She is a good <laughs> friend and one of the sweetest people I've ever met, thankfully, because that could have went really badly. But she's hey, like, you well, were tell- just yeah. that you're motivated. That's all. Yeah. You're she just- said, tell me about yourself. And I told her I was getting out of the Marine Corps and I, I needed something. I needed to get something done. Um, I couldn't not have a purpose. And um, so lucky for me, she had a son who had just graduated Marine Corps boot camp and a husband who was a 20 year Marine. And she's like, you're in. in." And I'm like, so now I'm like, that's totally not how that works, but it worked that way for me. A lot of things in my life just happened the way they were supposed to happen. So I did this really fast 14 month bachelor's in nursing program. It was holy cow, really intense. Um, and, uh, became a, nurse. a severe yeah. understatement, by the way, 14 yeah. months. That makes your yeah, head spin just thinking about yes, it. Yes, it was a lot. And, and have to give a shout out to my baby sister because without her taking care of my babies while I did that, oh. it wouldn't have been possible. But, That's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's incredible that you're able to do that. But I yeah. think that you are touching on something that probably mm-hmm. uh, is something many people can relate to just hearing you talk yeah. about this, right? Is that yeah. um, because now we're talking about different roles of just, yeah, who, who you were in your identity as a service member, right? And then transitioning right. out. That's a, that's a huge topic that oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm very passionate about supporting our military. Um, and, and I just, I just finished that 18 hour PTSD conference right. at Harvard Medical School like yesterday. Yes. And I'm like, kind of exhausted from it, but there was a lot of talk around veterans yeah. and how to support our veterans. But, you know, a big part of that conversation, of course, is our identity construction. And then who yes. are, like, who am I after I get mm-hmm. out? But then in your case, the fact that you also, as a woman, had two yeah. children, uh, there's a lot that goes into motherhood. And then right. who am I outside of motherhood? So right. whew, you were juggling a lot, not to mention throwing yeah. yourself back into school like that. So yeah, yeah right. I, I, I had to go, I had to go from something with structure to something with structure. And the structure of the Marine Corps is very different from the structure of nursing, but there is structure there are guidelines to refer to there are rules i'm a rule Mm -hmm. person you know and so it it came very naturally but also didn't because thinking that i wanted to be a physician i went to do my research went and shadowed a physician right in the er Mm -hmm. right and um and he got kind of butt hurt (laughs) at the end (laughs) of the 12 hour shift when i told him his job was really boring and uh (laughs) He's like, excuse me, this is the ER. It's not going to get more exciting. I said, well, no, like the whole thing. I'm a Marine. Sorry, this shit's boring. Well, it's not even that. Like the whole thing, (laughs) the whole experience was exciting. But what he did, his role in it was not in, he's like, well, what is it that you thought I would be doing? And of course, I at that time was like, well, on TV, you know, doctors Mm -hmm. are starting IVs. Doctors are doing CPR. Doctors are holding the hand of patients. And he's like, honey, you want to be a nurse? (laughs) It was like, <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Yeah. That's it. So that yeah, was your so, light bulb moment. And, and like, then, it was like the next day that I called the Dean. So, you know, <laughs> wow. That is so funny too, because right. to your point, you're right. That's the way, you know, you watch Grey's Anatomy or whatever. It's like, that is what you see and yeah. think you would think from yes. it. Um, right. But too, not to mention mm-hmm. again, your exposure and being in the Marine Corps, you know, right. there with that level of structure and discipline and how you are trained, mm-hmm. uh, a 12 hour shift with not when you're not <laughs> as hands-on probably was right. boring based off of the extensive yeah. training you'd already been subjected to. Yeah. I was like, dude, you intubated, you intubated one person. The rest of the time we were on the computer. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, which is also funny. It is funny that that was the thing that stuck out to me then because now nurses are were on the computer all the time. That's a whole other story. (laughs) I would love to get into some of that too in this conversation uh, as as someone who spends hours on end doing clinical documentation. Exactly. Death of me. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, So that was actually a a pretty interesting time for you to say, all right, um, this is what I want to do. I want to be a nurse. Um, But, you know, on that, you mentioned some aspect of so you became an emergent an ER nurse is that correct yes at first I was an ER nurse I knew I wanted psych I couldn't get into psych immediately at the time um but there's a lot of psych in the ER you know and I I learned I learned that firsthand in nursing school when I was going doing my clinical hours so and I love emergent acute psych. So that was perfect because no one else in the ER likes psych. So, mm-hmm. you know, they give me all well, the psych It's patients. incredibly stressful if you are not adequately prepared to take oh, on yeah. that stuff. That's why Absolutely. my eyes got so big earlier when you said, yeah. when I, you know, thinking when I grow up, I want to be a, an, yeah. ER, an ER physician. You know, mm-hmm. um, because really that's not, you know, whenever you're in the thick of right. it, that's a very stressful, stressful job. Um, yeah. Because you're seeing a lot of people on, on their worst days, on the worst days of their life with our family members who are trying to cope with it mm-hmm. as well. So, um, you know, something that you had mentioned whenever we were kind of doing the, the, the prep aspect and by prep, I mean, I mean, we, we do very little prep for these episodes, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, but something that had jumped out at me was this theme that again, was, was very evident with your experience within the Marine Corps, but also as a nurse, it's like this feeling that you had to work twice as hard to get recognition. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that starts in childhood too. And it's not to say anything malicious about anyone specific and no, but it, it feels often for somebody with so many brothers for one thing, Mm -hmm. and then someone in a male dominated field, like the military, as a female, you have to work twice as hard for half the recognition. And it's not that recognition matters. I'm not trying to be vain. It's the recognition that you need to progress in your career is what I'm talking about. Not like accolades, just like what you need, you know, Um, I need my commanding officer to know, to know that I'm a great Marine, not that I'm just a great female Marine, you know, that amongst the whole group, I'm Mm -hmm. in the top tier uh, and things like that. And that it wasn't until really when I was close to getting out of the Marine Corps that it really became a conscious thought where I was like, this has eaten a hole in me, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, And I just thought it was normal until, and there wasn't like one moment where someone told me it wasn't normal. It's just when you're getting out, you go through all these classes, separations classes to try to help you adapt (laughs) Mm -hmm. to the transition. And, (laughs) and one of the speeches given was like talking about how difficult it's going to be to deal with a specific issue that is when you tell somebody to do something, they might not do it immediately. And I was like, well, I already deal with that because I'm a chick and these guys are like, yeah, I'll get to it. You know, and then, yeah. it, then my head was like, oh, that's not right. I should be in that bucket the that she's irony. talking about. Yeah. So, wow. Cause you're thinking, yeah, I've been, I've been dealing with this shit for a hot, right. for a hot minute my whole life. Yeah. So what do I'm you like, mean? I'm like, wait, wait, people, people jump when you guys say go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, sorry. That's just a gender issue yeah. right there. Like, um, yeah, that's funny, yeah. but not funny for right. right. I mean, it's just like, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a sad, it's a tr- sad reality, frankly, yeah. but, you know, to think that there has to be, um, yeah. you think there are classes to help prepare people through that. And you're sitting there. Right. Saying, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But also another piece of this is the fact that because you wanted to work in emergency mental health, mm-hmm. um, you know, you had kind of labeled this as sort of like the the unwanted uh, chore or like the yeah. a burden, so to speak, that a lot of people mm-hmm. in terms of stigmatizing and stereotypes. Yeah. Again, like I said, my eyes got really big whenever I was like, wow, you wanted to yeah. do that at a young yeah. age, like because there is a lot of stigma around this idea of taking on that kind of position. Absolutely. I wonder if you can say more about that uh, just across a few different levels with whatever you're comfortable with, but, but sure. as it pertains to um, 
the support that you get within the workplace, right? Within mm -hmm. a hospital setting around that position, right. um, the support that you might get financially whenever it comes to funding, <laughs> right? That's a laughable joke, isn't it? Well, because you already know the answer to that. <laughs> oh, but I want to, I would yeah. love to hear your take on it because I, our yeah. listeners have heard me kind of gripe about some of yeah. this stuff for, for a little bit, but I, I do think there's a lot of value in having our, our, our audience here yeah an alternative perspective um, for a lot of reasons. Cause I think this ties in uh, nicely in terms of ultimately what this TV show out of yes. touch is all mm -hmm. about. I love that yes. name, by the way, <laughs> I love that name. So can you yeah. just, can you say a little bit about, yeah. you know, how, how out of touch are people with, with the mental health aspect in this like yeah. child, so to speak. That's exactly what we are. Mental health in general, as a part of healthcare is still the redheaded stepchild. Mm -hmm. We can, we can keep putting out little pretty messages all we want to and saying we care about mental health, but we're not doing anything. We're right. saying pretty things, but we're not changing anything because the same budget that didn't get approved in 2016 for mental health units didn't get approved this year. You know, it, when a hospital. So, gets, so it didn't matter what administration was in office. Is that what I'm no, hearing you say? Exactly. Interesting. Um, Interesting. The priorities, <laughs> the priorities of, you know, um, which a whole other, you know, interview about privatized healthcare, the priorities of privatized healthcare don't, aren't suited for mental health, right? We're not right. going to get paid for a lot of our patients, mm -hmm. period. Yeah. You know, we don't have a lot. We have a couple now. We don't have a lot of fancy procedures that can bring in the money from insurance or otherwise, right. like other specialties do. Um, and the people, what it really comes down to, the people who are making decisions about where the money goes, they don't understand. That's right. They don't understand the importance of budgeting mental health the way that they budget cardiology and neurology. Mm -hmm. And in fact, mental health and neurology should be in one pocket, really. So we should have more money. <laughs> but, I, you know, I yeah. love that you just said this because I was just <laughs> listening to a TED talk recently and it was all about uh, basically this idea of like all these different medical conditions and how normalized yeah. it is to like, hey, when you're thinking mm -hmm. about different medical conditions, yeah. uh, it, it's very okay and acceptable, mm -hmm. at least through insurance company to get a yeah. brain scan, for instance. Right. Right. To get a brain yeah. scan makes sense of maybe you have a brain tumor or maybe mm -hmm. like there's some behavior that could align with that yes. but it's so fascinating to me <laughs> so fascinating to me why in the world of mental health right we yeah. have all these these medications that we're willing to do trial and error on right yeah. but but somehow some way there we don't see the approval process of like brain right. scans to see right. how people with mental health conditions are doing yeah so the money isn't Baffling. there for the research the money isn't mm -hmm. there for the research we're we're We've gone a long way in the last 10 years in research and mental health and in practice, but not as long, not as far as we could have gone if we yeah. had the budget for the research to improve practice. Yeah. And it it's the decision makers and the decision makers are only influenced by money or huge crowds, yeah. <laughs> which is what this show mm -hmm. is about. It's about expanding the message to bigger audiences so that more people are educated mm -hmm. and understand the needs so that more people will stand up and say something so that change can happen because right. me yelling and shouting means nothing. And I yell and shout directly at senators. Oh, I bet um, you do. <laughs> especially in, in my state, North Carolina, they all know me. Um, and I send them Good. very long research-based, you know, documents, but that's only going to go so far because I could, mm -hmm. I, I could honestly, just the way the system works, I could convince every senator to agree with me, mm -hmm. but if the masses don't agree with me, they're not going to do what we agree that's on. Right. You know, so. Yeah, I mean, I, we've seen this a lot during the, the just, you know, I think about 2020 yeah. with with all mm -hmm. the Black Lives Matters protests, right. for instance, right. right? I mean, a lot of people said, listen, we've been protesting our entire lives, but because right. we've been quiet, no one's listened. Yeah, right. Because mm -hmm. we've been peaceful, no one's listened. Um, yeah. So it's just it's it's 
to your point, sometimes mm -hmm. it it does have to come through the masses and in, and in really yeah. big, huge ways. And yeah. sometimes, at least in, in today's society and how we like if we think about how people learn today, yeah. um, it's usually through binging on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, it is entertainment. Entertainment drives education, which makes perfect sense for someone yeah. who studied the brain. That makes a lot of sense Yeah. Um, as a nurse educator for going on eight years. I use entertainment to teach. Um, students will say my class is the most fun. It's just that I'm really stealthy. Like I throw teaching into there. They don't even know they're learning because they're having fun. <laughs> Those so, subliminal messages that yeah. you're planting in their brains. Right. Yeah. So that, I mean, you but that's you're good how, at what you do in my right. eyes. Well, I just got an award that says I am. So that's very oh, exciting. Th well, yes. wonderful. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> you got a nursing education award. But yeah, so we learn better we retain information better when we're engaged mm -hmm. engagement usually comes from entertainment right the same processing center in the brain and that's the idea behind making this into a show like i can go stand on the corner and yell mm -hmm. at everybody about mental health and the inadequate care that exists worldwide right. but if i put it in a show with characters that they're going to love it's going to mm -hmm. work better yep <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, That's I think the there's idea. a lot of truth to that. And and two, you know, when we think about the even the the monetary funding of mental health care as well, right? I, that education piece is huge because the people that are doling out the dollars, they don't right. necessarily right. know what they're doling out <laughs> the money for. I mean, I think about you mentioned the state of North Carolina. I remember just in the last couple months. Um, which there's a massive controversy around this that somehow keeps getting silenced. It's amazing how that happens. <laughs> Shocking, right? Right. Uh, but I want to, I cannot remember the dollar amount. I want mm -hmm. to say $10 million. I'm not certain. It was an astronomical dollar mm -hmm. amount. I want to say it was 10 million that was going toward a, a church, I think in Robeson. Is Robeson a county maybe? I don't I know. I think so. But... <laughs> There was some kind of church that said that they would create an uh, a, a, a drug rehabilitation center with that okay. $10 million. Mm -hmm. But the owner of the church has actually uh, has has a history of embezzlement and fraud. Yet the North Carolina state lawmakers thought it would be a good idea to dole right. out, you know, mm. $10 million of the opioid settlement money or whatever. So fascinating how that happens yeah and then it gets swept under the rug and no one talks about it but then it's like we need that money to make a really big difference with the right people and the right partners right. and the right organizations not just throwing it out there saying hey look yes. we tried yes exactly yeah, yeah so we need a solid plan and it's, it's really a double-edged sword with the the decision makers right they don't understand right mm -hmm. but in addition to that they don't they minimize the importance of it, right? So people that are making decisions, let's not lie, they have money through whatever means they got it, they have money. Lobbyists. And we know that people who have more money are, they're not, I'm not saying they have no stress, but they are significantly less stressed, yeah. you know, and don't have the same issues. And, and when they need help, they have access to it because they have money. Sure. So they don't really understand how detrimental it is to not be able to access adequate mental health care. Right. in their own life because if they need it they can get it yeah um they can pay cash for it you know right um so it, it's it's the lack of education and the lack of empathy and understanding of not being able to access something yeah no, oh, I absolutely agree. And I think, you know, something I've seen just from living between two different states in North Carolina and Massachusetts. Right. Um, in the back and in the back, I've been going back and forth back <laughs> for a while. But um it it's been fascinating for for me to see the drastic differences in terms of the healthcare aspect of things, yeah. because, mm -hmm. you know, frankly, I have been very privileged to live in the state of Massachusetts and be a resident of Massachusetts and see how mass health, right. um, which is Medicaid, how that mm -hmm. it, it's a tremendous program that helps many, right. many, many people across the entire state. But then to, mm -hmm. to come to North Carolina and ask questions and ask people like, well, right. you know, what offerings are there here? Mm -hmm. um, it is like, you know, you think about a totem pole here, like these, <laughs> these people are just like completely dismissed. Mm -hmm. And it's right. just the, the resources aren't there. The funding's not there. Yeah. Uh, and that's, well, it's kind of, you know, worldwide, but nationwide, even the states that have the best health care in general have limited mental health care. Some are better mm -hmm. than others still, but 
there are limitations that affect the whole nation that are outdated. Like, yeah, you know, it's, they're based on stigma and it's really unfortunate because it, it, it wouldn't even take that many dollars to make such a huge improvement that it would actually mm-hmm. save money for everyone to be mentally healthy, you know, right. a, that's what's like, so fascinating, right? Is that it actually doesn't have to be as expensive as we make it. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, fascinating how that works. So, you know, throughout this process, again, with your, with your desire to sort of be like this vehicle for change yeah. and to have this show, um, it, it really kind of started because you were writing privately, privately, (laughs) you're privately writing. Cause again, when Mm -hmm. we talk about coping and kind of a level of like, just sort of, of kind of Mm -hmm. venting our day, you were writing, uh, real live stories and experiences from your firsthand uh, view of, of working in these different mental health care settings. Uh, can you share a little bit about how this came about and, and whether or not, you know, I, I know that there's also a, a personal health piece to this as well, yeah. but however you want to loop this in, can you share that with our audience? Yeah. So um, I always wanted to be a writer and, you know, at first as a kid, you don't really know why you want to be what you want to be. I liked writing stories. I didn't understand that it was a coping skill at that mm-hmm. time, but that's what I was doing, but it, it was, it was an escape, you know, from reality and, I, I write fiction, you know, for the most part, I always had as a young person. And it's just something that continued. Like some people have a diary, right? I had a diary, but it wasn't like this was my day. It was a story that I would write down from something I experienced or witnessed, you know, or heard about. And I would just turn it into a story and it just distracted me from everything else. Mm-hmm. You know, and writing is an amazing coping mechanism. And for some people, journaling works like writing about your own stuff. That doesn't work for me. That stresses me out more because it hyper focuses. Me. Right. So for people like that, um, I've since learned as a professional that there are two types of people, you know, with reflective writing will stress you out or it will make you feel better. So the ones like me where it stresses us out, we need distractive writing, which is what mm-hmm. I've been doing my whole life. Didn't even know it had this actual name. <laughs> Um, you know, so writing about something completely different or speaking like note to self, you don't have to write it, um, anything, just making up a story. Storytelling is an amazing coping skill. It it uses opposite parts of your brain from the parts that process stress. It's neuro, (laughs) like this is neurology. And so ties into why you said the, the, right, right. How neurology and mental health need to have a, yeah. Yes. So, uh, be in the same bucket. So yeah, I kept writing as a coping skill. And if, if y'all don't know, nursing is stressful. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm sorry. Say that one more time. (laughs) Nursing is stressful. Um, yeah. So psych nursing is stressful in a lot of the same ways that all other nursing specialties are our patients because they have psychiatric disorders doesn't make them immune to medical disorders. We just do all of it. Um, um, And I tell my students, every nurse is a psych nurse because every patient is a psych patient. So (laughs) we're all psych patients. Uh, I mean, listen, it's true, which is why there really shouldn't, there should be very little stigma to go around around it, frankly, because we're we're all in need. We're all in need. (laughs) Right. So, you know, I was in psych in the specialty itself. You're surrounded by psych patients is the difference. It's to a much further extent. Course. you know, that you're doing the psych. And so I kind of combined distractive writing and reflective writing into one coping skill at that point, because I would write the stories of my patients. It's really hard to see other people struggle, especially when red tape and politics and bullshit in nursing and healthcare restrict you from giving the kind of care you want to give, which is what is the stressing stressful part. Most nurses love being nurses. We love the patient care, no matter how pain in the butt our patients are we love taking care of them and being you know giving solutions but it's the pull from the other side the admin crap that makes us hate it and um I was really struggling girl right I can relate yes yeah I was really struggling with that um for a while in mental health nursing and especially when I went into management and so I would write these stories of the actual patients with different names and everything and my crew, because we, all of us had a damage too, you know, so we, I would just write these stories and give them happy endings as a coping skill, you know, and sure. it, it was very, very helpful to kind of just rewrite the narrative and make it 
Like if the admin said, no, we can't have money for new safety doors so that patients can't hang themselves on the doors. I would write that they did give us the money, you know, like that's how it started. And Mm -hmm. when I mentioned it to one of my coworkers, she's like, dude, that's like something I would watch on TV. And my brain went, oh, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. But that's eight years ago now. Um, so I started writing them at that time, wow. more like, more like stories and a lot more of the truth, not changing it to happy endings. Mm-hmm. If there wasn't a happy ending and yeah, having people need to goal. know the truth, frankly, right. right? People and need that, to know that the was, truth. That was my thought, like putting together the fact that this needs to be known. And this is how people learn. Yeah. It's like, make it a TV show, you know, yes. so <laughs> that's kind it's of really brilliant. It's yeah. truly brilliant. But then you're saying like, yeah, this was eight years ago that someone sort of planted that seed saying like, hey, Paula, yeah. this would be a kick-ass TV show. So mm-hmm. if that was eight years ago, I'm wondering what, mm-hmm. what, what was the fear? About? What was, <laughs> yeah. what was stopping you? You know, so, what has been stopping you, I guess, up until this point yeah. of like, basically, right? That Marine part of you, right? That Mm -hmm. improvise, adapt, overcome. Some part of that kick into gear eventually in the story, but what was holding you (laughs) back before then? So I'm fear. Um, As someone who's always, like we said before, been in a situation where it's normal to feel like you have to work twice as hard to get half the recognition. It's normal to have your experience or accomplishments belittled because of your gender or your age or whatever. it's really hard to put something out there that you put so much of yourself into and be like, go ahead and judge me, you know, and my students, my my (laughs) students will be shocked to hear that I was afraid of anything because, you know, they're like, you're the most outspoken person. And I am when I'm advocating for someone else Yeah, Yeah. that, and that was what turned it around for me. Like Mm -hmm. the moment when it wasn't one moment, but this series of events that led me to remember that this isn't about me. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's my story, but it's not my story. It's the yeah. story of hundreds of different people that right. needs to be told to make the world better. And mm-hmm. if I had, I kept telling myself, if I had time, <laughs> if I had time to make it good enough, I could put it out there. I could be brave and I could help these people. And then in 2016, I got some time handed to me. Um, I was diagnosed with MS and it was so bad my first exacerbation, I have remitting relapsing MS. So I have exacerbations and then I have times where I'm fine. I don't have the the really scary progressive kind. So I'm thankful for that. Hmm. But I had had a headache for a whole month and I was working in the ER. 30 days. 30 days. Yeah. Um, At at the hospital I worked at, I was the manager in behavioral health, but I got to work also as an ER nurse for extra money. Yeah. That's not normal. Yeah. So between those jobs, I was working every day. Um, it was actually summertime. My, my husband and I had gotten a divorce, which no problems there. My kids were with him because it was Mm -hmm. coming up on summertime. So I was working every day just to not miss them as much, you know? And, um, yeah. Yeah. And the, you know, when you work in healthcare, there are some perks, you know, like some doctors will try to fix things for you kind of in the the break room so we tried everything (laughs) we tried everything we could think of the break room (laughs) the break room (laughs) I worked with I worked with amazing amazing brilliant doctors at this ER in Gary Indiana of all places um the most amazing people work there just so everyone knows um and one of the doctors there he's like Paula you're not yourself like I was getting angry and (laughs) not as nice. And he's like, how is a psych nurse going to be so crotchety basically? And I'm like, well, my head hurts, you know, and it had been so long, um, that he's like, you're going to punch out and be a patient now. And so I was like, fine, I'll be an ER patient. And then, um, did a cat scan and like half my friends, like 10 people that worked there were sitting in the room, like just joking around. Some had punched out somewhere on break, you know, and he's walked in and he said, everybody get out. And I'm like, I have a brain tumor. I'm dying. Oh my <laughs> you know, gosh. Like, and, yeah. um, you know, it was for privacy, obviously, but of, of uh, course, so, but I mean, this is I yeah. mean, right. Going from one, yeah. one part of you thinking, I, yeah. I, I just have a headache and it just right. happens to be that it's right. lasted for 30 days yeah. to everyone get out. I need to talk to, yeah. talk to. And them. so he says, this brilliant man, he says, obviously there are other tests we have to do to confirm it, but it looks like from the CT that you have MS. And, um, he's like probably remitting relapsing. Of course, as an ER and psych nurse, I didn't know a whole lot about MS. So I'm Googling it, which is the worst thing you can do. Um, and, <laughs> accurate. And, yeah. So I start panicking and he was going to discharge me home, like with medicine, everything was going to be fine. 
when I started panicking, my hands and feet went completely numb. I mean, you could have stabbed them numb. And he's like, so here's what's happening. Like this stress, this overwhelming stress is not like I hadn't been stressed. This overwhelming stress is causing the exacerbation to be worse. And now we have to be admitted to the hospital. And I spent, I spent over a week in the hospital um, and I'm not good at sitting still at all. And um, so, you know, after the first day and some medicine and taking a minute to breathe and everyone, everyone telling me, stop thinking about anything or anyone else, like just relax. And yeah, I started to feel a little better. My right side functioning came back, you know, and you know, I had my husband, my second husband, my current husband at the time he brought me like my computer and stuff. And, uh, so I just started typing out the stories like as a script and it really kind of came together and it gave me time to develop the courage to put it together in a way that could be shared. Now, this is 2022. So it was still five years before I looked for a production company to make <laughs> the project, but I'm not I got judging. it. I'm not judging. I mean, cause listen, here's the deal. There's many people in your shoes that have yeah. yet to take that leap. Right. I mean, so the fact, so five years or not, yeah, <laughs> you took, you took, and you are taking the leap. <laughs> Yeah, you're doing the thing, right? Exactly. Amazing, right? Because I think another part of this is the fact that like, you've had that underlying theme of like, yeah, well, I'm a Marine, but I'm a I'm a female Marine, right? I'm a a Mm -hmm. nurse, but I'm a female nurse. And while many nurses are women, yeah, men who typically get more recognition in the nurse. Yeah. And then it was, you know, I'm a nurse, but I'm just a psych nurse. And then Mm -hmm. writing these stories helped me say, well, most nurses could not do this. So instead of saying, I'm just a psych nurse, be like, well, I'm a freaking psych nurse. Okay. Yes. <laughs> like I got this. Yes. And so it really was, it was that, you know, having the time. And then, then it became, I want this to be perfect because I've never written a TV show before. <laughs> and I don't, wanna, that? I, don't, I don't want it to <laughs> not get made because the script isn't good enough. So then I just kept working on it and working on it and tweaking it and asking people for their close people for their opinions and stuff. And, and then I got busy, of course, because I switched to teaching full-time and nursing part-time and, um, academia is a very busy environment, but then, and and also political, no less. Right. And and (laughs) lobbying. Yeah. All the things. And I worked on some small little short films for fun, just because the opportunity presented itself, you know, for free, for free. You stopped to fuel your passion. And I think (laughs) that's a big part of this story as well. In case people aren't Mm -hmm. picking up on that. Right. Is that, you know, we, we just had, so earlier this month, our episodes were also about this idea of like, um, do you, live to work or are you working to live right so when you're talking about working 30 days in a row with a headache every single Mm -hmm. day it's like you have to check yourself on like wait what where am i on that quality of life scale yes and am i doing things that bring me joy and as a psych nurse this is stuff that i told my patients all day every day (laughs) but didn't do it myself for so long you know, yeah, so you it gotta was practice what you preach. Right. But I mean, how, yes. how awesome, because you're feeding into your passion right. and I'm sure this is like really just, I don't know, like lit up therapeutic. your soul. It's right. therapeutic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is very, um, yeah. Therapeutic. It, it fills me where I before felt like I was draining myself, you know, and it is, um, a passion project of course, but there's such a huge purpose behind it. Such a huge mission that mm-hmm. I'm able for like the first time in my life too to say like I need help to do this. Right. Nurses don't do that. Of we just course. do this hey, stuff. Same <laughs> with same with therapists, right. right? I feel like that we're conditioned yeah. in very similar ways. But yeah. it's like to to ask for help sometimes right. can be so hard because you're supposed to be the helper, right? Right. And and so it's yeah. it's it's really I do I do think it comes back to us practicing what yeah. we preach and and mm-hmm. knowing when to have a lot level of uh, humility and, and also just like right. checking ourselves with, with like, yes, I'm feeling very vulnerable and I need help. I can't do this. Yes. Alone. Right. Um, I have felt like this about even this podcast, right? This podcast yeah. is a huge passion project for right. very similar reasons. Yeah. Um, with, with, you know, very similar goals in mind with regard yeah. to really wanting to hone in on, you know, generating systemic change and, and right. structural change 
um, mm -hmm. and, and hoping that our listeners can hear different stories and perspectives yes. that prompt them to kind of lean into the discomfort of these conversations, yes. lean into the fact that there might be things that they don't know and mm -hmm. should probably start getting interested in. Yeah. So we, we call ours a production with purpose and you can call yours a podcast with purpose. Love it. I love it. I'm so glad that we were introduced to one another. By I know. Yeah. I mean, this really worked out beautifully. And um, so I have, I have watched, you know, the items that you have posted from the show out of touch. <laughs> um, you have a Facebook page and different social media outlets that, that yeah. people can kind of uh, at least learn about it. We can yes. absolutely, we will absolutely include the details in the show notes, but, um, you know, more importantly, we would love to ask our audience, uh, our listeners to please, even if it's donating the amount that you'd pay for a cup of coffee, instead of right. paying five bucks over at Starbucks, donate it, <laughs> donate it to this independent uh, TV yes. show that Paula is making happen with uh, Von Emmerich Productions, uh, because this is a very meaningful project. And mm -hmm. um, it sounds like so. So if I'm understanding correctly, there is a um, a very well known streaming company or mm -hmm. network <laughs> service, streaming, yeah. streaming network service, mm -hmm. whatever, right, uh, who, who is very interested in out of touch. And yes. so, you know, the, the real goal is, is like, all right, we've got to get this show moving where you can yeah. have a couple of episodes created to show them to say, yes, I can yeah. do this independently. Mm -hmm. And yes, you... so that that's the main the main point is we want to continue to produce it because we want to protect it. We want to protect the content. We want to maintain the ideal and the rule of no stereotyping or stigmatizing and accuracy. There, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of comedy in this show, but we keep right. it in the, in the staff, not the patients. And there's mm -hmm. a lot of drama on both sides because that's real life. Yeah. Um, but it's very purposefully done everything mm -hmm. in it all behavior has meaning everything in it is on purpose um i'm on the set you know making sure of it myself yeah. and other psych nurses it's never just me so we oh. always have friends of mine there as well because Beautiful. i get excited you know and sometimes i miss things because i'm so excited that my <laughs> show is being made well you're yeah you're watching your dream yeah. come true that you've been sitting so, on now forever yeah. so it's like so they help they help me and but on the other side of that another purpose of the show is not to put providers on a pedestal, not only to not have doctors do things that doctors don't do and yeah. take away the credit from nursing, but yeah. to, to be accurate, we're human as well. We're all oh, yeah. damaged. The, the catchphrase for the whole show is what's your damage because everyone's got it, you know? So it's the network back to your question. The big service that is interested in it is interested in potentially letting us continue to self-produce, but we have to show them two episodes, high quality episodes, two, not just one, yeah. two episodes for them to let us pitch. It's not a guarantee, but they have asked to see two episodes. Right. It's a really big deal. Um, yeah, yeah um, it is. I mean, just <laughs> to even get to that point, right? To get their attention and yeah. get to this point is a huge deal. Right. So it honestly, yeah. I'm I'm proud as hell of you because that's that's right. just an amazing amazing feat because it does yes. show again, going back to that improvise, adapt, overcome, yeah. it's that training in you where you're just right. like, I am, I am freaking determined to make this happen. Yeah, we were we were in post-production on the pilot when I was able to get in touch with them and I was like, I'm going to have a pilot for you to watch. They're like, cool. We need two episodes. I'm like, <laughs> that's okay. expensive. Like, yeah, and it is. so don't, don't get me wrong. All of the cast, the actors, they're brilliant and they all should be paid high dollar, but they're all volunteering yeah, right now. Is, yeah. Not just because they think it's good enough to go somewhere and get them somewhere, but because they believe in the mission, mm -hmm. all of them have, you know, a heart for mental health advocacy and the production company, obviously they're not working for free. They can't, they have to pay for insurance and equipment and, of you know, course, all those things, Of course, but they're, they are definitely a sponsor and a partner. And <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I'm even allowed to say this, but they're not charging me their full price. Yeah. Um, you know, they are definitely. Which is generous. incredible, which is yes. incredible. Yes. Yeah. And, and they, so yeah. just to kind of get an, get an idea then about how much left do y'all need to, to raise at least <laughs> at least to get to that point of episode yeah. two finished 
So for um, episode two, it's going to cost. We're thinking a, like five grand ish, ten. Well, grand? it's it's going to cost about ten thousand dollars more than I've already spent. Um, fifteen grand total. It's going to cost about ten thousand. That doesn't mean we're not going to make it if we don't have it. Just like episode one, the money we didn't raise, I paid out of pocket. So it's not. Wow. So I mean, people who are thinking about donating should know. It's important for you to know it is going to get made. It's not only going to get made if you donate enough. Um, it's just less that would come out of my nurse pocket from my second job that I took to pay for it. Um, <laughs> the <laughs> one the psych- that you're, you're right, bending over backwards to yeah. work 24 seven and, and right. trying to like manage, you know, burnout and compassion fatigue and all the things. Right. I mean, so um, it will, it will get made. It's not an all or nothing deal. Um, but the more public we can get involved, the better for, for that reason, of course, for mm-hmm. me personally, for money, but also because you get to be a part of this and mm-hmm. you get to, um, you know, push for change you you get to help where i call my business my myself as an executive producer citizen studios because it's the citizens that are making this happen not some big studio with billions of dollars um you know and so we are ten thousand dollars is laughable to anyone in the filming community it's it's not it's not enough because i'm not paying hardly anyone and that's the only reason right but they're not going to keep doing that after episode two of course no we understand that and i think of course (laughs) the big idea is to like you know you've got this this make this this make it moment where you can pitch the show and so it's a matter of like listen you you have been working your ass off for many years now and it's like all right let's make it happen Mm -hmm. so Right. You know, to those to to our audience who's listening, we do ask, you know, go to the show notes, please donate to the GoFundMe mm-hmm. uh, again, even if it, if it's yeah. five, ten, twenty dollars, whatever yes. you can afford or are willing to contribute. This mm-hmm. is to an amazing cause. Um, yeah. And it's it's not this is not for just entertainment purposes. This yeah. is really something that has a, a, a genuine purpose uh, around yes. advocacy to, to raise awareness associated yes. with mental health um, mm-hmm. and, and hopefully generating change in the right areas. Yes. Um, so those loud, those loud shouty yes. letters and remarks <laughs> to the lawmakers. So it's, so it's mm-hmm. a little bit more than that. And so people yes. can kind of understand what they're advocating for and why. Exactly. And, um, and it's, um, it, it is entertaining. So it isn't a waste of your time. You will also get to watch a really good show. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, I loved what I've seen so yeah. far. It was awesome. Um, and, and the actors were fantastic. Yes. Um, yes. as obviously the writing, of course, <laughs> that's what <laughs> well, I John always Paula. say, you know, every, every time they, everyone's like, that was amazing. I'm like, must be good writing. They all yeah, laugh. It is. It, it does. It comes back to the writers for sure. It does. Um, but I, my cast is the best ever. <laughs> they're all that's another reason you should contribute because they are all all really really good people you know they're they're there for free and this is not a small thing this is very time consuming work um and acting is not easy i'm not an actress you know (laughs) like right um it really isn't you're talking about eight to 18 hour days we're not on purpose (laughs) not 18 on purpose but you know really long days because of people's availability because again they're doing it for free um and it takes episode two, it's going to be like seven filming, seven full days of filming total. We've already started filming. So we've already filmed like 35% of episode two, um, some really fun parts. So it's, it's happening. <laughs> you know, it's happening. You, yes. No, you I'm glad, that, I'm glad that you yeah. spoke to that too. Yeah. Um, but also I think another, you know, just as we wrap up, I think it's important to bring this story full circle because yeah. at the beginning of, of, of this conversation today, uh, I introduced you as a doctor prepared registered nurse and an educator, yeah. right? And, mm-hmm. and you know, like a big, a big thing that you had said to me at the beginning was just like, I am more than that, Lindsay. Yeah. And so I'm wondering if you can just sort of round out, like, what is mm-hmm. your takeaway message for our mm-hmm. uh, listeners? What do you want so, them to take away in terms of the, the over yeah. the, the main theme that you want to bring yeah. to light? So other than obviously support the show, um, <laughs> don't, don't pigeonhole yourself. I mean, people can say self-care, self-care all day, but mm-hmm. without explaining anything about what that means, it doesn't matter. It, self-care includes not putting yourself in a silo and saying that you're just one thing. Don't even use the word just or only or any limiting words on what you do or who you are. Um, let yourself fully do the things you need to do in one capacity or another. 
and be who you need to be. Don't say I can't be a writer because I'm a nurse. That's ridiculous, <laughs> you know, and things like that. That is the takeaway. Or message. I'm just a psych nurse, right? <laughs> right? I mean, it's like, no, I am a psych nurse. That's damn it. Right. That is right. Own it. Own it yes. and take the take the power from it. That's, That's right. a big and, part. Yeah. And it, you have also articulated so nicely that we are a beautiful collage of so many things. We are not yes. just mm -hmm you know, this one label, we are not yeah. just this one yeah. thing. We are, we are so much more than that. We are a beautiful yeah. collage of all kinds of things. And we are more than our labels, which I think is yes. a huge takeaway with regard to mental health as well. Yes. <laughs> you may have depression, you may have anxiety, you may have bipolar disorder, but you are not mm -hmm. your label. You are not your label. Right. And I think that's also a huge piece of, of, mm -hmm. um, you know, just the, the, the takeaway as a whole for mental health right. providers. I think that's mm -hmm. a huge, you know, anyone in, in, in the advocacy space yeah. can appreciate that, that you are more than your label. And we want to make sure yes. that these stories are, are heard, seen, mm -hmm. um, and, yes. and felt so that it can generate yes. change. So Paula, thank you so much for joining us today. It has just been a complete uh, pleasure to have you on the show. So thank, <laughs> thank you, you so much. The last thing, because I promised at the beginning was that you can find out how to be on the show. That's so <laughs> donating Tell to the us. GoFundMe, donating to the GoFundMe. Um, if you donate $20 or more, you, for one thing, you get a pretty little signed cast photo um, digitally sent to you. But it's not listed in the GoFundMe because it's going to be part of a big campaign for the rest of the season. But bigger donations that you can message me about can get you on the show, either crew or cast or just shadowing if you want to be on set for a whole day. So we actually have a specific perk that is kind of secret until right now, but it'll be coming out next month, but we can do Normal. it right now. We can do it right now. Yeah. And um, you know, even if they want to reference what the Fox, yes. right. If you want to have a little exactly. secret code thing, right. Yes. Reference so, what the Fox podcast and Paul so will hook you up. Your, your WTF um, <laughs> uh, little promo is, you know, if you donate a thousand dollars, it's a lot of money. It's an entire day on set and we can work that multiple different ways. You can shadow uh, myself as the assistant director, you can shadow the director, you can um, be on crew as a production assistant, though you'd probably rather shadow if you're paying that much money because we'll put we'll make you work really hard if you're a PA. Um, <laughs> or you could have a role in the show. Now, if you want to be on episode two, you would have to make this donation very, very soon. <laughs> we do have That's a couple right. of roles that we are casting um, for mental health patients in the show that will be featured uh so which you would be coached on how to do uh so it's like an acting class and a role all in one and it will probably be a 10-hour day that you're paying to work right right <laughs> well that you know that's actually quite typical in in the yeah. world of of all of this so i mean it I know is. people people yeah. who are listening who are not familiar like, with the, the, the <laughs> yeah the whole world of acting um yeah. and and i've been i've been very blessed to have a number of um yeah. of, of people in that industry as part of my life coaching business yeah. and this is actually quite normal believe oh, it or yeah. not folks i mean people yeah. people will pay for these opportunities because it's great mm -hmm. resume builders especially when you know yeah. that there's a network looking at the show yeah. and saying hey we <laughs> want you so um, yes. you, you know, anyhow, I feel like we've, uh, mm -hmm. we've definitely made it very clear. Yes. <laughs> uh, this is, an, this is a valuable show and we do hope that you donate. Um, and thank you so much for thank just you. sharing your story and, and being vulnerable, of course. you know, yes. letting it all be seen and heard. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. This is super Absolutely. exciting. <laughs> yeah. Thanks Paula. All right, guys, Thanks. we will see you next Tuesday. <laughs> and we all say just fine it's gonna fall into place the sun is gonna set on your terrible day